Hey, super friends. My name is Neil, and this is episode 39 of the Gator Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of comic book, film, TV, and pop culture goodness from our studio to your speakers. I am, of course, joined by my very own boy wonder himself, Martin. Say hello, Martin. Hello, Martin. It's been a been a little while, hasn't it? How you doing? You you okay? I'm alright. Surviving the Rona? Just. <laughs> By the skin of your teeth. Uh, it's been a month since we podcasted, so definitely living up to that fortnightly-ish uh, name. I uh, I have done notes for this episode like I normally do. However, I'm not sure that things like the lineup for Comic-Con at home... Um, which took place two weeks ago, or the announcement of the new actress playing Batwoman are quite as relevant as they were when I thought we were getting ready to record again. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's about outdated now. Yes. Uh, so, uh, with that in mind, we're going to do something uh, a little bit more up-to-date this, this episode. So we're going to round up some of the most recent news. We're going to look at DC Fandom, which is taking place in just a couple of weeks' time. Uh, we've just got the first bunch of names that have been announced for that. We're also going to have a little chat about uh, some new Star Trek stuff, which is the announcement of premiere date for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, as well as the first episode of Lower Decks, the animated series, and a couple of other news stories as well. And then we shall roll on to our big reviews for this podcast. We're going to look at two TV series that have recently uh, completed, or sort of streamed, and one has completed. We're going to look at The Umbrella Academy Season 2, which is currently streaming on Netflix, and also... Doom Patrol Season 2, which is currently available on DC Universe and HBO Max in America. Here in the UK, Season 2 will be coming soon to the streaming uh, channel Stars Play. We also did a bit of a discussion topic on Twitter, like a month ago, <laughs> I think, which was when uh, the first trailer had just come out for Star Trek Lower Decks, and I was asking people about their ideas on Star Trek. So we're going to read those out and have a little, little trekky discussion at the end of things. But without further ado, let's roll into the headlines. DC Comics are preparing for a huge lineup of guests to appear at their fandom event, which is taking place on Saturday, August the 22nd, 2020, in case you happen to be listening to this in the future, or maybe in the past. Um, what's chances of listening to this in the past? That's not really possible, right? Did I just make a paradox? I'm not really, I mean, maybe. You weren't listening. I wasn't listening. <laughs> so for 24 hours only, DC's best and finest are going to be streaming uh, globally at dcfandom.com for an event which is going to cover all four corners of the DC universe. We've talked a little bit about this in the past, but we now have a lot more information. So first things first, DC has released a huge FAQ of information that's about the day itself. You can read some of that over on the website now, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. We've also got a link there, which will take you to the full Frequently Asked Questions. So, for those who are in America, Fandom will start at 10am PST on August the 22nd. For those here in the UK, that is 6pm BST, which is British summertime, which we're in at the moment. Not Greenwich Mean Time, so, so it's going to be a bit of an overnighter for us. The event itself is going to be best accessed via a computer, so desktop or laptop. You will be able to see some content on mobile, and additionally, there'll be some extra content that is visible on mobiles. But to get the full experience, you want to be using the computer for, for the most part. Because what you're going to do is, you are going to log in to a convention hall, and you are going to be walking around looking at stuff while you're in there. So you get to go, you know, walk into the merchandise shop. Good job. It's uh, it's going to be around payday, that one. I'm, I'm going to have to forewarn you now. Uh, and then panel-wise as well, you'll also be kind of immersed in it. It's not like a virtual reality thing. There, there, there is going to be some AR type stuff that you're going to be able to access via mobile, but that's just bonus content. Uh, it's going to be available in nine languages, so it's not just strictly English speaking. And it is, like we keep saying, it is a global fan event. It's not just for the American audience only. The Hall of Justice is going to be the main convention center hall. Think of that as like your Hall H from San Diego Comic-Con. And there's going to be an eight-hour programming block for that. So that's going to be like your Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Batman, the, the Flash movie. They're all going to be shown in an eight-hour loop. So starting at what will be 6 p.m. for us, that will run until 2 a.m. And then it will cycle through again and cycle through again. 
One thing that's really important to tell you all, and I can't stress this enough, is if you are wanting to watch these panels, make sure and do it during Fandom, during that 24-hour period, because once it's over, they will be gone. This isn't going to be like Comic-Con at home, where it'll still be available on YouTube afterwards. I'm sure there will be clips and things that will be, and obviously any trailers or promotional materials that were released will be available online afterwards. But the actual full panels themselves are only available to those that are taking part. That sounded really serious, didn't it? Now on to the fun bit. Who's going to be there? Gee. (laughs) We'll be there. Uh, I can't guarantee I'll be awake for 24 hours, but I shall try my best. I will not. Uh, So we don't have the full schedule of panels for Fandome just yet. It's going to be released sometime in the next week. So week beginning uh, the 10th of August, they're going to release the full schedule. But what they have done is they have released a huge list of names of people that are going to be involved. I'm not going to read all of these out because... um, well, there's like 300 names, but I will give it a shot um, and see if you can figure out which ones you know and which ones you don't. So we've got Abigail Shapiro. What are you asking me? Uh, this one I am. Any ideas? Um, Swamp Thing? No, it's Dorothy from oh. Doom Patrol. I was thinking of Abby. Adam Brody from Shazam. Uh, I'm gonna, I can't do that because if I'm going to do that for everyone, then I'm going to end up. Well, it'll take me like an hour. So Abigail Shapiro, Adam Brody, Alan Richson, Alan Tudyk, Alex Sanchez, Alfrey Woodard, uh, Amanda Connor, Amy Smart, Andy Machetti, Angelica Washington, Anna Jope, Anthony Carrigan, Anthony Rapp. Oh, Anthony Rapp. I hadn't saw that name before. Interesting. Okay, April Bowlby, Asher Angel, Barbara Machetti. Uh, Brenton Thwaites, Breck Bassinger, Brandon Vietti, uh, who's one of the Young Justice producers, Candice Patton from The Flash, Camrish Johnson from Batgirl, Katie Lott, Batgirl, Batwoman, Katie Lotts, Chella Mann from Season 2 of Titans, uh, Jericho, who else we got on this list? We've also got Clay Anos, the artist, Connie Nielsen, Connor Leslie from Titans. Oh, so could she still be alive? Or coming back to life. Donna. That is. Curran Walters. Dan Jurgens. Danielle Nicolette from The Flash TV series. Daniel Day Kim. Oh, is he in the... the is he in the Sandman audiobook, maybe? That's interesting. That's um the guy from Angel uh, that works at Wolfram and Hart. Currently, where we are watching Angel. We're doing a rewatch at the moment. I've oh, forgotten his name. The guy... The, yeah. the kind of villain to Wolfram and Hart. Lila. Yes. She says his name all the time. She says his name all the time and I can't think what the character's Perry. name is. Not Perry. Um, he's going to be there. Danny Cannon. Uh, I always look for Danny Elfman on this list. Uh, Darren Chris, voice of Superman in Superman Man of Tomorrow. Dean Laurie from Harley Quinn. The whole cast of Harley Quinn are going to be there. Doug Mankey. Uh, Elizabeth Tullock. So that's Lois Lane from Arrowverse. I'm just I'm trying to scan and pick out anything really important as I'm going. Gabriel Piccolo, who's the artist on the uh, young adult Teen Titans novels, is going to be there. Henry Winkler, Hi-Fi, ah, colorist. I like Hi-Fi's colorist. Idris Elba from the Suicide Squad movie. Jack Bannon from Pennyworth TV series. Jai Courtney, James Gunn, James Tucker, James Tiny and the Fourth, James Wan, Jason Alexander. All the Jameses. All the Jameses. Can you tell them up to J in the alphabet? Uh, I'm, I'm literally scan reading as I go Carrie Payton from The Walking Dead and voice actor from Teen Titans Marika Nykamp who wrote the Oracle Code book that I reviewed a few weeks ago cast of Black Lightning so I can see Nefessa Williams is there as well as Cress Williams Matt Ryan Nathan Fillion, Matt Ryan, Neil Gaiman Nolan North uh, Paloma Faith because she's obviously in Pennyworth remember she waved at you once she did Nicole Maines from Supergirl Pete Davison, who I always think of as Peter Davison. I'm like, Doctor Who? What's he doing there? Which is ironic, because Peter Capaldi is there. Uh, Paul Levitz. Patrick Schumacher, also from uh, Harley Quinn. I think that's quite enough. It is, isn't it? Ron Funches. Always keep going. <laughs> Sarah Schechter, who's produced on most of the TV series. You have one more. Uh, Val Kilmer. That's an interesting one. Good way to end. Yes, what a way to end. Val Kilmer. Zachary Levi, Zack Snyder, Gal Gadot, that's Ezra Miller. Four extras. I shall stop there. Uh, full list is av- of people that have been announced so far is available on our website, so you can go and check it out rather than listen to me reel those off because we've already been recording for 10 minutes. Um, 
I was about to ask you if there's anything that you were really looking forward to, but we've already done this from when we talked about the announcement. Have, have things changed? Is there anything that you're now really looking forward to mm. that you weren't before? No. <laughs> okay. What would you like to see? I just posted a piece up on the website about what I am hoping to see from fandom. Just some hope that we're going to get some new stuff and the world continues to go on. <laughs> In the world of repeats and uh, nothing new, it would be nice to see something new. Which is ironic, really, because I tend to only watch old things. <laughs> well, we know for a fact that we're going to be getting a teaser trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League. It will also be confirmed whether it's called Zack Snyder's Justice League or what it's going to be called. Uh, there'll be uh, potentially some announcements around Titans and casting for Season 3. Rumours about an announcement of Titans going for a fourth season as well. Hopefully the announcement of Doom Patrol going for a third season. Harley Quinn for a third season. Could we find out whether there is going to be a return from Michael Keaton in The Flash? He's not on the guest list, but Ezra Miller is going to be there. And um, Andy Machete, who is the director, is also going to be there. So we definitely know there's going to be some stuff around The Flash movie. Plus those two secret movie announcements, which we have also heard rumours about too. Hmm. Our Pats is going to be there, isn't he? Oh, actually, good question. Is he on the list? Let me have a look. Let me check if your name's on the list. Matt Reeves, yes. Uh, Robert Pattinson, yes, also on the list. Am I going to be Flash of Batman? I think we will probably get to see our first bit of Batman. Interesting, Zoe Kravitz isn't on here. So uh, she's playing Selina Kyle Catwoman in The Batman. Her name is not on this list. Um, but certainly we're going to get Matt Reeves and... Um, and Robert Pattinson, so expect there to be something Batman. Be good to get a wee scene of him or something. Get a sense of. I yeah. I wonder whether there won't be a trailer, but there'd be a completed scene. I don't know whether that because obviously they'd been filming before lockdown. I don't know if they'd really filmed enough that they would be able to make a teaser trailer. They'd be happy with, considering it's not due out until sort of more than twelve months, sort of more like eighteen months or so away. It feels a little bit early for a teaser trailer, but I'm not against a nice scene. Or a sizzle trailer. Or a sizzle reel. Maybe it'll be a sizzle. And I would imagine we're going to get to see our first footage from the Suicide Squad too. That's going to be really interesting to see how that follows on from the first one. Is that finished? Oh yeah, long since finished. Oh. In terms of uh, filming, they've been doing visual effects work as uh, as lockdown happened. So they've been finishing that in isolation. It's not due out until summer next year. So we've still got another 12 months till it comes out. So they've got time to finish a cut and go back and do reshoots if they need to um, but we should at least get to see our first appearance of that so yes we may have missed her name but margot robbie will be there too oh yeah who does she play again <laughs> sure just i think um <clears throat> some somebody related to the joker is it uh, harley harley quinn uh, punchline no Pun oh someone's caught up on the joker war sticking with the convention news i didn't want to linger on this one too much but um Comic-Con at Home happened a couple of weeks ago, and that was our first taster of a fully virtual convention. Not quite on the same level that DC are advertising for Fandome, but was nonetheless a a interesting way of taking what would normally be a huge pop culture event and putting it purely online. I watched a handful of panels from that one. I didn't watch too much. You saw one or two. What did you think about the way they took everything out of the convention centre and onto YouTube. I thought it was a lovely idea and a good concept and a nice way to still have a Comic-Con bit at home. Yeah. But it wasn't the same. No, it's not the same, is it? I, part of the problem, I think, is the fact that when it comes to San Diego Comic-Con, you expect big. So it's a go big or go home situation. And it was the right thing to do, I think, to take as much of it as they could and put it online but the thing that i don't think people factored in is that no one's producing anything right now so there wasn't really anything to show if that makes sense yeah there was no announcements there was there no... were they were just lower scale there was nothing to sort of hook you in a lot of things announced sort of premiere dates so like the walking dead will beyond got itself a new premiere date the finale for season 10 of The Walking Dead has finally got itself a premiere date and has has 
season six of Fear the Walking Dead. So they had announcements. Then let, Amazon let did... Let me reframe that then. There's nothing I'm interested in that happened. No. Well, no, it's not... I know exactly what you're saying. There there was nothing big. There was no... You remember, like, when we were in the, the DC Batman comics panel when, in Hall H, they showed the first trailer for Batman vs. Superman and everyone ran out of the Batman panel when it finished and we were all on our phones in the corridor outside watching the trailer. There were none of those moments because there was nothing that big, but there were there were smaller scale things but i i agree with you i think it was a great concept and a great way to do it and it worked but there just wasn't the the level of content that you would expect from that festival what was your favorite panel that you watched constantine the 15th anniversary movie panel yes i had to think of that because i couldn't quite remember (laughs) that was good it was excellent i think anything that had keanu reeves on it was really really good it's more interesting in the process and the fact that they sat in it for so long until it got made. One thing that I had thought about beforehand was the fact that all of it was pre-recorded. It would be quite sad not having the sometimes incredibly awkward Q&A, but actually it gave you more room for them to have a proper conversation. So I'm not sure that you would have got all the information that you did about Constantine if it was a like a panel in a room with couple of thousand people then wanting to ask questions as well yeah but it was interesting hearing about francis lawrence's process on it and keanu reeves how he came into it It was it was surprisingly in-depth i hadn't expected that i expected a bit more of a puff piece just saying happy 15th anniversary to this film and to go from a music video director to constantine as your first big picture film well done and i've been meaning to watch that film again since and i haven't I think for me my favorite panel was boom studios power rangers because they've had a lot going on there and i'm i apologize to anyone that knows me because anyone i know that reads comics has probably heard my are you reading power rangers no you should be reading power rangers because it's awesome but they are about to sort of reboot the universe slightly the mighty morphin power rangers series is coming to an end and being replaced by two series one called mighty morphin and one called power rangers um, which are about two different groups of rangers, but it's really interesting. But it was um, it was an hour long panel hosted by the Pink Ranger from Time Force, and it just it had all the creative people from Boom that were involved in it. And I don't want to take away from any of the like anybody that worked on the TV series or works on it because it's still on. But it's amazing to hear when you think about watching Power Rangers as a kid. You just think plasticky costumes, guy in a cardboard suit, running around a cardboard city, pretending to be a giant robot. Was that cardboard? No, I just always used to say it looked like cardboard. Um, Probably is. Kind of a good time. And then you listen to these people that now write the comic books, like Ryan Parrott, that's the writer on it at the moment, and you hear them talk about it. And it's just amazing to hear how much they love it, but how much they wanted to make it what it now is. It was just a really interesting panel, and I'm excited for what they have planned for the future because it's becoming quite the I would say cinematic but in a comic book way uh, sort of multiverse of Power Rangers Mm. all the panels from Comic Con at Home are still available to watch on YouTube so you can go and check them out on the Comic Con at Home YouTube channel so at this point we were supposed to talk about the first trailer for Star Trek Lower Decks but because two more weeks have rattled on we've had a trailer for Star Trek Lower Decks and we've seen the first episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. So I didn't want to I didn't want to put it in as part of the reviews and spend too long talking about it, but I did want to just bring it to people's attention because I think it's a series that's worth watching from what I've seen so far. But I wanted to get your thoughts on it quickly. What did you think of the trailer when I showed it to you? Oh, me. Yes. Um, what the, the cat is asleep, so it's only you that I'm talking to. Well, you could have been t- the royal we. <laughs> True. What was your question? Uh, thoughts on the trailer? Yes. It's very hot. Um, yeah, just to say for anybody listening, um, I, if there's a bit of background noise, it's because I've actually got the window open, which I normally close, because right now in London, it is currently 31 degrees, and we are melting on day three of a week-long heatwave. Anyway, back to you. Thoughts on the Star Trek Lower Decks trailer? Uh, cautiously optimistic. Uh, the trailer seemed very different and a bit out there. So I was like, oh, okay, we'll see what happens here. Well, I mean, we're not fans of Rick and Morty. We're not not fans of Rick and Morty. We've just never really watched it. So mm. that style of 
animated comedy is a little bit outside our normal comfort zone, would you not say? Yes, it's like the adult swim type comedy. Yes. Nicola and Chris did set us down to watch an episode when we went to visit them just shortly before lockdown. And, and I, I did not hate it. Exactly. I right. just it, I don't have enough time in my life for yet another programme, do I? So Or do you? Maybe I do now. Um having just watched nine series of The Walking Dead in ten weeks. I would agree with you. I was cautiously optimistic about the comedy slant on Star Trek. I was worried it wouldn't be Star Trek enough. I might be too much on the comedy side. But having seen episode one, I feel quite comfortable with the level of Trek against the level of comedy. Would you agree? I would agree. Anything that stood out to you in episode one that you'd like to mention to the people at home that might hook them in? Um, well, I'm not really the hooking kind of guy. I just say I quite enjoyed it. It was completely not what I was expecting. Funny, but still had heart, I felt. Yes, funny with a bit of heart, with a lot of Trek. But Trek like you've not seen Trek before. But a really good reverence for the next generation and that kind of ship design, graphic design in terms of like panels and interactions and also sound effects and stuff like that as well i thought were very uh very based in the reality of next generation yes i know the name dropping as well mm, at the end definitely i think uh, yeah the only thing i didn't like again was the uniforms oh really okay but then only because Discuss. <laughs> so when is it set right after or close to uh nemesis so then the uniforms are wrong. Because they should, in theory, be in the grey. Yeah. But we're saying we've gone, we've moved on from that. So essentially we're saying this is the next set of uniforms afterwards. Right. But it's just before Nemesis. No, it's after. Oh, after. Oh, okay. That's Sorry, right. by me saying it's around Nemesis, it is, it is afterwards, but it's not necessarily years afterwards. It's within that period. It's close enough to it to be classed as that period. Well, then we could legitimately say wartime is over. So well, that's, I, I was actually going to just say that to you. I think we're saying that war is over and that's why they're able to not wear the wartime grey and go for something a bit more colourful. And I suppose it's slightly one step removed from Picard uniforms. True. It's between the two, isn't it? Yeah, it's okay. I'll, I'll then change my stance. I like the uniforms. Okay. <laughs> I will okay. allow these uniforms. Fair enough. I would like a touch of Admiral Janeway. And then I'd be sold on the show completely. There are legacy characters which are set to appear. We just don't know who they are yet. So watch this space. She could turn up. She could beam in. (laughs) She could indeed beam in. Star Trek Lower Decks is currently available to watch on CBS All Access in North America. The first episode started streaming from last week and it is on for the next 10 weeks. And it will be followed by uh, Star Trek discovery which returns for season three the week afterwards so we're we're, we are at the beginning of 23 weeks of trek for america lower decks doesn't yet have a confirmed premiere date here in the uk but we will bring you that news as soon as it is confirmed sticking with star trek as i just said we're at the beginning of 23 weeks of trek Woo! A lot of track. It is a lot of track. It's a deep space mission. And so we have the news that Star Trek Discovery finally has a premiere date. It will be coming to screens in North America from 15th of October. It'll be the same release pattern as always. So it will stream on CBS All Access in America first and then will air on Netflix internationally from the following day. Hopefully we get... We've, I feel like we've seen a couple of trailers for this already because it's been hanging around for a little while now. Really? But it's going to be oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, we saw a trailer being premiered at New York Comic Con last September. Oh, yeah. It's been a long wait. Season two was April of last year. That's a long wait, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a long time. They went into... She had a. She's just had a baby. Oh, that'd be why. Um, Sonequa Martin-Green. So I think there was kind of production and then production wasn't quite finished vfx needed to be finished and lockdown happened so it's just been slow to complete but it is now in a position where it's ready finally to air and will be airing from october the 15th 2020 speaking of new shows just a couple more things to wrap up the new section today we've had a couple of trailers for the boys season two the boys will return on amazon prime from september the 4th when we'll get the first three episodes of season two 
and then the rest of season two will stream one episode per week. And I showed you the trailer for this to get you to be like, oh my god, I cannot wait for this show to be back. And then I realised you haven't actually seen all of season one. No, so I was a little bit confused. Um, a little bit horrified. Overall, <laughs> but overall thoughts on the trailer for season two? A little bit confused. Bigger, little, badder, better. A little bit horrified. What's the horrified? The whale. The wh- <laughs> Why is everyone so horrified by the whale? Well, the poor whale. He's Save just, the whale. He was just whaling around, eating some plankton. And then boom. And then boom. Some man with an obscene bulge calls him up and then he gets skewered by a bloody speedboat. An obscene bulge? Yeah, did you not see their promotional pictures? No. No. Do tell. There's some really weird, awful... I'm assuming photoshopped pictures of Carl Urban Dread. No. Oh, the deep. The deep. Yeah, Uh, from his calendar with his own whale. Yes. Okay. Um, If you get what I'm saying. (laughs) The people at home get exactly what you're saying. I'm really looking forward to season two. I think you can tell that they've had a big bump in the budget. The CGI looks amazing. We've got new characters. It's going to be a whole load of awesome awfulness. I think. So as I said. Returning for season two on September the 4th on Amazon Prime Video. Save the whales. Save the whales. Finally, I thought it was worth mentioning, and it kind of ties back to Comic-Con at home, but we finally got a new look at The New Mutants, that film we've been talking about since 2017. I mean, it's actually technically supposed to hit cinemas in two weeks. (laughs) So we'll see... It may well end up being delayed again, but we have had the opening sequence and a brand new trailer for The New Mutants. And I have to say, I was excited about this film when trailer one came out, and then my excitement has dulled over time because it was just like, we're never going to get to see it. It's just going to keep moving, and the goalposts are going to keep moving, and it won't be worth it when it gets here. But actually, the new trailer that they showed off looked pretty cool. You did see it, but you may have been asleep. No, I remember it. It's just a bit too horror for me. Yeah? Do you think it looks too scary? Looks a little bit. Has me on edge. We don't do the horror, do we? We don't do the horror. I won't be seeing that. And by we, I mean you. And by me. That was the royal we. So you won't do... Okay, so would you go to the cinema to see this? No. Wow, okay. For fear of fear. Uh, Fear of fear and fear of the Rona. (laughs) Okay, noted. So at the moment, uh, The New Mutants is set for release on August the 28th, 2020. It was confirmed during the the panel at Comic-Con and the kind of interviews that went around it by uh, by the director, Josh Boone, nearly forgot his name there, that although it was a 20th Century Fox, um, which is now 20th Century Studios production, Disney has uh, stood by the fact that the agreement was it would always be released in cinemas and wouldn't go to streaming. So where you've got films like Mulan that are now skipping cinema and <laughs> controversial and going to streaming, New Mutants is, at, as far as we are concerned at this point, absolutely still going to be in the cinema when they're able to. I'll be there. I will go and watch it. I'm I'm excited to see what it what it is. It might be end up being a standalone film that never has anything more to it, but... It'll be nice to see something different from the X-Men universe, even if this is potentially the goodbye to Fox's X-Men universe. Yeah. Still a better goodbye than Dark Phoenix. Yeah, it needs to be a good film to get me to go and see it in the cinema, I think. Oh, so, okay, let's just go off for a second then. So what right now that is coming out in the near future would get you in the cinema? Well, there's nothing really coming out in the near future, is there? Do, 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 do. Oh, yeah, do, I'll go see do, Wonder do, Woman. Do, do. <laughs> If that comes out. Not Tenet? I don't really... I've not... I don't feel that invested about Tenet. I don't... Tenet. Tenet. I can't even say the name properly, to be <laughs> honest with you. I don't really get the hype. Okay. It just seems a bit of a bizarre concept to me. Interesting. Because he do what? He goes back in time? Or he lives time in reverse? We don't know. We will find out when it, it some at some point hits the cinema. I've seen the trailer, I'm like, I don't understand. I'm moving See, backwards. I quite like that. He's like, oh, I think I'm about to get shot. Are you? Do you know? Do you see into the future? When was or the last time we went future? to the cinema not knowing what the film was actually going to be from start to finish? Two weeks ago, we went to see Empire Strikes Back. And you, and you didn't know what was going to happen? Well, no, because it was a really dodgy copy, so all the sound effects were missing. 
<laughs> True. Would you like to tell the story to the folks at home? Well, we were watching a film, things were happening, there was no sound, it was a bit bizarre. That was a very succinct version of the story. Uh, we went to see The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I won't name the uh, the cinema chain that we went to see it at, but if you listen to We Have a Hulk's latest podcast, um, they mentioned that we think they should own shares in this company, so that might give it away. But it was a very strange version of The Empire Strikes Back, whereby half the sound effects were missing. I don't know if one speaker in the surround sound system wasn't working, but it would be like Princess Leia standing off against a stormtrooper. It'd be like, pew, 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 pew. Uh, and it was just very weird. Or like, Han, fire the grappling hook. Silence. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Yes. I thought it was me. I was like, oh. Yeah, I thought it was me to begin with. I thought, do I just fill this in in my head? And then realised that, no, I don't. It is, in fact, actually missing several of the sound effects. But then I did start to fill in my head. They were going pew 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 yes. pew 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 clunk. <laughs> That's it for the news this week. On to our reviews. For our first review this week, we are talking about the Umbrella Academy season two. Season two is currently available to stream on Netflix globally. The series stars. No one, because I've typed in The Yellow Umbrella to uh, IMDb, not The Umbrella Academy. It stars Ellen Page, Tom Hopper, Daniel Castaneda, Emmy Raver Lampman, Robert Sheehan, Aidan Gallagher, and Justin H. Min as The Umbrella Academy. Co-starring one of my favourite people from the Grey's Anatomy universe, Kate Walsh as The Handler. It's fair to say we were not the biggest fans of season one of The Umbrella Academy, were we? We struggled with it a little bit. Well, we're like a year late to watch it and then about another year to actually finish it. We actually talked about this in a podcast. Uh, was, that, was it our last podcast, maybe? Or a couple of podcasts ago. We watched the first episode when it first streamed and then never went back and finished it. And then getting ready for season two, we went back and we actually kind of marathoned it. And actually, I preferred it. I liked it. I got into it. I was able to get into it more, but I felt that it was very, very slow. Did you agree that it was slow? Yes. I, really, I prefer season two. I don't know why. It was much more... It grabbed me from the, the moment Well, ago. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an interesting fact about it in a minute. Um, but let's just talk season one for a second. Other than it being slow, was there anything else that you didn't sort of particularly get into about it? Was there anything about the characters that you didn't get on with? Or was it really just that you felt it was quite a, quite a slow storyline? It's not really slow. Yeah, I couldn't okay. really get into it. There was no hook. No. You feel like so again. So I suppose yeah, the storyline was quite slow, and it didn't really sort of pick things up until the towards the end. Yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you on that one. I think I I quite liked the characters. I just needed more to happen for me to get into it. So one thing I hadn't noticed uh, was actually the episode lengths. Um, if you look at season one, they're all uh, fifty to sort of fifty-five minutes. You know, they're that slightly extended. If you were, if it was on TV, uh, where season two the episodes are all um, forty two, forty three, forty four, forty five minutes. Basically, it's a forty five minute TV series, so they've cut it down, which the writers have said is about trying to make the show a bit more succinct and more binge worthy. Mm. You've just blown my tiny mind. Was that something that you had picked up on? No, no, I just thought it was a more exciting storyline. But do you think it's a well, I suppose you've just said it there by saying it's a more exciting storyline. Do you think it was... So it's it's the same episode count, but do you think it's, it is a tighter... As well as being more exciting, do you think it's tighter storytelling? Do you think there's less sort of filler, as waffle. it were? Waffle, yes. Yes, less waffle, more thriller. Hmm. What were your sort of highlight moments in season two? I don't really have a highlight moment. I just enjoyed the journey. I think it's difficult to pick an episode with this one, opposed to, say, Doom Patrol, because I feel like this is incredibly serialised, whereas I feel like Doom Patrol, which we're going to talk about next, had more individual storylines of the week with other bits that were running underneath it, whereas I felt like this was more laying the groundwork at the start and then stories were running all the way through. So of those... You have like the, you've got the Swedes, you've got the Handler, you've got uh, Vanya and Sissy, you've got uh, Allison and the Civil Rights Movement. Was there anything 
Was there a particular storyline that you felt you enjoyed more than the others out of everything that was happening? I mean, there was a lot happening this year. There was quite a lot happening. Uh, I, I couldn't sort of pick any of them out as a fave. Oh, okay. I appreciate all of them. Were there any, maybe, okay, thinking on the opposite end of the spectrum, were there any that you didn't like so much? I suppose maybe the Vanya stuff was less interesting, which is interesting because I found the characters around her to be very interesting, very engaging. Yeah. But less so when she was involved with it. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, well, something that I found interesting about her storyline was obviously she had a she had a male partner in season one who, let's face it, not a very nice guy, as it turned out. Um, and now she has a female partner in season two with Sissy. But actually, the focus of the story was not Vanya coming to terms with her sexuality. There didn't seem to be any sort of issue there. It was more about Sissy's journey because it's, I guess, a lot more difficult within that time period. For Vanya, she comes from a time where it's maybe not as important, or that's not probably the right way to say it, but it's less of a big deal to come out now than it would be in, in 1960s Dallas, Texas. I think that's probably why I was less interested in the Vanya part, because it was more intriguing to see how that played out. When you've got 1960s, you've got this stereotype of a typical housewife yeah. looking after the kids husband's away at work but then now this whole other sort of world bubbling under the surface it was more yeah. interesting and more engaging to see as now as much as i completely understand why sissy decided to stay in the 60s i'm sad that we won't get any more of her character because i did really enjoy her or will we well and to be fair i mean there was there was a tease towards the end of, that, of the finale there where it turns out that um and I can't think of the child's name. Holden? Henson? Holden. Holden? 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 Holden. Hef, so whatever his name is, uh, still has some sort of powers left over from his uh, little dalliance with Vanya. So technically there could be, I suppose there could be more to tell there. I've only just finished reading volume one of the comic book, so I'm, I'm nowhere near having read any of this in terms of the equivalent of what happened. Well, watch the space. Indeed. Thank so, uh character wise i'm going to ask you again any particular sort of favorites or maybe not favorites but people you didn't appreciate so much this season no they were all right i felt like everyone had more to do this year which was nice um and it was interesting to see how they tied each of them into some sort of historical moment in time or movement so allison and the civil rights vanya and kind of the the sexual liberation which i guess is partly klaus as well but Klaus dealt with more of a comedic sense. Um, the only one that I don't really understand is Diego and the the JFK fixation. Yeah, I don't understand that, but then I'm not up with American history, so I don't feel like I should understand it. Well, if you want me to pick a favourite character, I'm going to go with Ben. Oh, yeah, good old Ben. A friendly ghost. Yes. Uh, I th- and I think that would be probably my standout moment of the entire season, is that moment between him and Vanya where he says, can you hug me as I go? <laughs> that was a grab-the-tissues moment. That was, that was a grab-the-tissues moment, yes. It was very sad. Very well acted. And then I think just that moment alone makes the cliffhanger at the ending even more... Whoa! With the introduction of the Sparrow Academy. Not to be confused with the Red Sparrows with Russia. Or maybe it is, and we just don't know yet. Well, you, you never know. Uh, they do, in the comic, I'm told, have a base in... Uh, is it not... I was about to say... Norway or Whedon? Uh, you know those famous countries? Ah, uh, yes, Norway. I think it's Norway where they have a base of operations that's seen in the comic book. Because they've only just been brought in. So this is sort of new territory for anyone, whether they're a reader or a viewer of the Umbrella Academy. But overall, I think this season had a... Um, a great production value that was clearly a step up from last season as well. Like the VFX in that opening sequence up. I mean, that whole opening sequence, you could say, is a retread of stuff they did in season one. But actually, I felt like they did it differently enough that it was exciting or possibly more exciting. And and it was done really well. And I think everything that they did throughout the whole season was done really well. All of the effect. I couldn't fault anything particularly throughout the season. Great soundtrack choices as well. 
What was your favourite soundtrack moment? Uh, the you know, You're going to tell me off because I know that you sort of cursed at the TV when they have a 60s music moment and then go into a modern music moment, but I liked the uh, ska punk version of Billie Eilish, um, Bad Guy. Make me sound like an old man's a damn modern music. <laughs> Turn off that noise. Well, don't forget the, uh, the Swedish cover of Hello by Adele that also played during a funeral. That was funny. To say that music during a funeral was funny. The Ikea version. The Ikea version, indeed. Why, what were your musical highlights of the season? None of them stand out massively to me. Okay. But I do enjoy the oldies. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And I I appreciated the contrast with the newies for the children to listen to. Now, controversial opinion, potentially. Which was better? The family dance sequence in the... um, salon in this season or the big family dance sequence at the beginning of season one that has become completely synonymous with the umbrella academy oh i didn't really get the season one dance scene so i'll say the series two dance scene mm. just because i was sort of half watching it half not watching it thinking, why are they dancing i don't understand quirky it's quirky oh okay okay so if you had to give the umbrella academy season two a score out of 10 how would you score this Seven. Oh, that was uh, very definitive. Said with a yawn. Uh, so, hot. why, why not an eight, nine, or a ten? Well, I just don't. I'm not because I don't want really want to. <laughs> I just don't want to. I don't want to. Okay. So, would it be pointless to say to you what would you like them to have done differently that would have given it a better score? Yes. I don't believe that was a yes or no question. Oh, wasn't it? No. Oh. Um, I don't know what they could have done differently to give me a better... For me to give them a better score. <laughs> for them to give you a better score? Yeah, for them to give me a better score. I give your review a five. Yeah. That was awful. <laughs> you said three words. Did you like it? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start my own Scottish review channel. What did you think of it? I'm sorry. <laughs> Rubbish. Was alright. This would be the two different scores. Rubbish. Was it right? Uh, I would give this an 8, I think. It was... I definitely would score it higher than I scored season 1. Um, but thinking about... And I don't know that it's very fair to compare it to Doom Patrol, but I think thinking of... Uh, thinking that they're the two shows that we're reviewing in this podcast, which one would I give a higher score to? Or would I give them the same score? I definitely wouldn't give the Umbrella Academy the same score as I would give Doom Patrol. No, but then I think I'm heavily biased because I... I'm not familiar with the source material of Umbrella Academy. No, but I highly recommend you read it. So I have now finished uh, reading Volume 1, and as soon as Volume 2 is on sale on Comixology, because it's currently eight ninety nine. <laughs> no thank you, I'll wait till it's four ninety nine. Um, I will go back and read it, because it was, it was really interesting. The only thing that I found with the comic book was uh, it doesn't necessarily follow on from the end of one issue to the next. It's like twin, uh, six 22-page individual chapters, um, which have some connective tissue but it doesn't necessarily it's not like a cliffhanger at the end of issue one that then gets picked up in issue two sort of thing quite Conne- different connective tissue yeah i didn't just study film for nothing you know well i would think of connective tissue in a muscle not in a comic book well, a similar it provides a similar structure does it not um i don't know you have a cliffhanger between your sort of your legs <laughs> That's an interesting phrase you've picked there. Oh, I meant like the top of your legs and the bottom of your legs, not... Oh, God. Moving swiftly on. Uh, the Umbrella Academy, both seasons one and two, are available to stream now on Netflix globally. Next up, we are reviewing season two of HBO Max and DC Universe's Doom Patrol. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. It's all in Doom Patrol Season 2 is available to stream now on HBO Max and DC Universe, uh, along with Season 1. The series stars... Do I need to tell you who the series stars? Oh, no, don't, because we'll be here forever. It's Diane Guerrero as Crazy Jane, April Bulbury as Elastigirl, Matt Bomer as the voice of Larry Trainer, Brendan Fraser as the voice of Cliff Steele, Robot Man, Sir Timothy Dalton as the Chief... Riley Shanahan as the actual embodiment of Robot Man on the set, and Matthew Zuck as Negative Man. You've also got Joy Van Wade as Cyborg, and the wonderful Abigail Shapiro as Dorothy Spinner. Okay, 
you are the resident Doom Patrol expert on planet Earth, uh, having read everything that they have ever been in, ever. That's so uh, I think the listeners at home will value your opinion on this much more than they value mine, because I watch it and enjoy it, but I haven't got a flipping clue what's going on half the time. So what did you think of season two? It was all right. <laughs> Scottish review. Uh, better than season one? Oh, maybe slightly, maybe not better, more stuff going on. Oh, see, these are rubbish reviews. Don't ask me questions. Just it, say what you feel. Yeah, hot. I feel really hot. That's because it's 34 degrees. Bothered. How do you feel about Doom Patrol? I feel positive about Doom Patrol. Um, I think it was good. I'm not sure if it was better than series one, but it was still very good. I would put it maybe half a point below series one. Oh, okay. Uh, any particular reason why? I think the lack of Mr. Nobody. I'm surprised that he didn't turn up in any way, shape or form in this second batch of episodes. I think it sort of... It missed that little bit of humour with him being the narrator, taking the piss out of everything. That's a good point, actually. I had not thought of that. You do miss his narration, actually. It's a very heavy storyline. They're very heavy characters, and there's a lot going on with them, which is great. There's a lot going on for each of them, yeah. And I think having him there in Series 1, just to poke fun at things, broke that tension a little bit. I would would definitely agree with you on that. It made it slightly easier to watch. But in saying that, I still really appreciate and really enjoy what they did with Series 2 by bringing it more back to Grant's comic run and picking up some of those really classic Doom Patrol characters. Grant's? You on a first name term with him now? Well, I always say his last name wrong. So you do say Morrissey, not Morrison. Yeah, it's Morrison. It's like the shop. This charming man. Um, okay, so I think for me... I enjoy series two more because uh, I'm sure yes uh, because it is crazier definitely there are more things being thrown at the wall I have to question my own perception of it because I do think if I was trying to stack this up against any other show I would say it suffers slightly from the lack of a villain. So not just the narration standpoint that you were just talking about, but the fact that there isn't a a threat that's kind of looming and ever-present throughout the whole nine episodes. But then, when I say that, I then think, well, actually, isn't it nice to have something different? Because actually, this is a character-focused piece. I mean, in a way, there is a a big bad that's looming and there is i suppose yeah you've got the candle maker but it's done in a very subtle way where you don't realize the implication of what's going to happen unless you're familiar with the comics which you are because you spend the entire of every episode going "Ooh, i know what that is Ooh, i know what that is Ooh, that's grant morrison Ooh, that's gerard way Oh, right, Santi pants (laughs) we've swapped places this podcast uh so (laughs) um Dorothy is something I wanted to talk about because I've really enjoyed her. I think Abigail Shapiro has been brilliant as that character. Um, Her, whether it's on purpose or not, I think she sounds like a teenage female version of Timothy Dalton, which I think is very cool. Like, I can can hear him in her voice. She's done something in the cadence of her voice is very much like the way that he talks, and I I think that's great. That's a very bizarre mental image. (laughs) Isn't it just? Um, Little girl James Bond. I wanted to know what you felt of her as a um, an adaption of a very central character from the comic books. So I really liked her characterization of Dorothy. Very good. Every time I hear Dorothy, I want to do the NEM from Wizard of Oz. Dorothy! 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 Don't mind doing that. I've never even seen it. No, okay. um, it's awful windy outside. Uh, yeah, so I really liked her, how she played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting because in the comic so in grant's run my friend grant um, he is scottish he is scottish you know celtic brothers um our relationship with the chief is very different and they spend very little time together and oh really her relationship is much stronger with uh the doctor man whose name i can never remember so he was the doctor from series one where they go and visit the classic doom patrol oh okay that's interesting so what's 
Where is the chief placed in this, in the comic book then? So he's uh, ultimately the big bad of the end of the run, essentially. So once they've defeated the Candlemaker, they then have to defeat the chief. Okay. Um, well, not defeat the chief because he gets his head chopped off. But He gets his head chopped off? He gets his head chopped off. But essentially he sort of develops this weird nanotechnology that then tries to destroy the world. So he's oh. the big bad. So the relationship, he's always very dismissive towards Dorothy and kind of says, oh, you look after Rambly. Wow, so this is quite different then. It's very because different. Because he's much... not a nice man in the comics. Well, you get flashes of him not being a nice man in this, but then every now and then he does something that makes me think that actually he does care. Yeah, he doesn't do any of that in the comics. He's just not a very nice man. Interesting. So do you... Would, uh, whoa, this is leading me down a whole new route of questioning I had not planned for. Um... Do you prefer the way he is in the TV series, or do you wish that he was more like he is in the comics? Or is it just that actually it wouldn't translate well to screen? I don't think... I don't know. I mean... You've, you've got a little bit of that sort of sinisterness bubbling underneath when he when it turned out that he caused all the accidents. True, yeah. Created the Doom Patrol. But then in a way, it kind of... His need to bring them back together and act as a, of a family and a father figure almost sort of washes out all that stuff. So yeah. you lose his edge a little bit. So it'd be nice to see a bit more of an edge because in the comic run, Robot Man, so Cliff, yep. he is the sort of the leader of the team. He's the one that pushes everything mm. forward, pulls everybody together. So it'd be interesting because the dynamic's slightly different between them. Okay. But then I think at this stage in the TV series, Cliff isn't there yet to lead the team. No, I think Cliff has got some healing to do himself first before he can do anything else. And that language is atrocious. <laughs> um... Okay, so something that I am not sure about, more so in season two than season one, is Cyborg. Because I feel he was very separate to everyone else. He was with them, obviously, at the beginning to carry over from season one, where they were all tiny, in tiny patrol. Um, But then he kind of goes off on his own, and although he is present in pretty much every episode, his storyline feels very separate to everyone else. It's almost like he... I mean, I love Cyborg, and I'd like to see more Cyborg. I think he's excellent as Cyborg. Cyborg. Not, not in Doom Patrol. I think... <laughs> Cyborg. I think he's excellent as Cyborg. I can't say it now. I think he's excellent as Cyborg. Um, I just... I feel like he almost just needs to go over to Titans. He does. He needs to go somewhere else, because he's not quite fitting in, and he's not really been a part of the team. No. Apart from when they went to see the pink people, um, who I can't remember... Uh, but remind me of that kids' TV series with Cyril Sneer. Teletubbies? No, Teletubbies. Don't you tell it, Teletubbies me. Uh, no, what was that? Uh, Cyril Sneer. He was a character in um, The Raccoons. The Raccoons? Oh, I never liked The Raccoons. Oh, no. He was I pink. Like See, that's, what it makes, that's why it makes me think of it, because he's pink. Um, that's, what, that's what that episode made me think of, randomly. Who was your standout character then? Because I, I think anybody that listens to this podcast knows that when we talked about season one, uh, it was just Rita, 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 Rita. I love Rita. Rita, Rita's my favourite. So Is Rita really, still your favourite? She's still my favourite, but I think she's had less to do this series. Oh, really? But what she has done, she's, you know, she's really... She's taken some really big steps she's this season. She's done some really big steps with the beekeeper. I love the beekeeper stuff. Is that from the comic book? Well, she's dead in the Grant's runs. Oh, well, that's... That's so sad. She's, she's not there. Um, <laughs> and I've not gone back to read what came before him. It's very, very old, I think. Oh, you've just completely undone my intro where I said you've read everything the Doom Patrol's ever done. Yeah, well, I haven't. So <laughs> you've just got to get your facts right. You're okay, so um, with with Rita having a little bit less to do, who would you say has been your favourite from, from a season two perspective? I'm going to say it's a tie between Jane... I thought you were going to say it's Zatanna. Like, who? She wasn't in this. <laughs> we need a Zatanna. No, it's a tie between Jane and Larry. Jane has been an incredible character this season, but can you help me? I don't know. That's I don't think we've got time for that. I I struggle with um, Katie K. K. So K is the original personality. Yes. Who is still a child in the underground? Yes. But in the real world, that K has grown up and is. Diane Guerrero. Yes. But Diane Guerrero is also Jane in the underground. Yes. Okay. 
that I have I struggle with that slightly, but I can understand that that is for a narrative standpoint better to do rather than having it be Jane the personality on the outside played by someone and then Jane in the underground played by someone else because I don't feel like the audience would have that connection with the character otherwise. No, I think it has to be Diane Guerrero for Jane and the external body because she does it very well. But I oh yeah, don't get me wrong, she's absolutely bloody amazing. I just sometimes struggle a little bit with the when we're watching her on the outside I just see Jane and when we're watching her on the underground I just see Jane but it's not always Jane on the outside yeah that's that's my slight struggle so it's Kay's body yeah but lots of different people inside the head well, I, no I understand I understand that it's more just the in a in a scene if it's not someone like um Sunhead yeah or like baby Jane not baby Jane baby doll then I sometimes will still in my head go, oh, what's Jane up to? And then I have to think, that's not Jane. That's someone else. He's like, oh, look at her hair. <laughs> yes, true. It's all about the hair. Interesting twist with, um, and I'm doing this in air quotes, Miranda. Miranda, yes. Very interesting. Very interesting to see where that goes next. Yes. Now, one thing that I don't know about season two, so um, season two was commissioned for 10 episodes. There were 15 episodes in season one, uh, but we only got nine because they were unable to complete... Um, production on the the 10th episode because of coronavirus so what i don't know is the episode 9 that we have seen i don't know if that is episode 9 as it was shot or a mix of footage from what was shot for episodes 9 and 10 to craft some kind of finale but certainly that was a very um cliffhangery cliffhanger felt very penultimately it felt very much like a penultimate episode but we'll never know now until god knows when hopefully we'll get a season three uh renewal at DC Fandom in a couple of weeks. Much like um, Umbrella Academy, I think the production stepped up a bit this season. So I know we talked about it a little bit when we when we covered kind of episodes one to three, but the, the way they built the sets for Tiny Patrol, I thought were excellent. Uh, the visual effects have been excellent all the way through. Candlemaker looks outstanding. The spider scares the hell out of me. Prosthetics have also been great. The um, Doctor Time, Red Jack... All of those special effects, I think, have been amazing, be it practical or um, CGI. And Dorothy as well. I really appreciate how much she's been able to emote, even though she's got quite heavy prosthetics on her face. Mm, she's done a very good job. Yeah. Anything about season two that has been less um, successful for you? No. <laughs> I think Fair the only thing was the lack of Mr. Nobody. Just because it would be nice for that sort of... But it was nice when we got one Mr. Nobody reference and they said, oh yeah, he's off because he got a voiceover job and then it flashed up on screen and was like, Harley Quinn, available now on DC Universe. Yeah, I like that. See, I missed that. At least it still had that kind of reverence, but yeah, yeah I know exactly what you mean. Did you have a favourite episode? Um, I don't think so. I think I need to watch that again. I liked... Danny the Street? I did like Danny the Street. That was a very good episode. It became Danny the Ambulance. Well, Danny the Wheel. Yeah. We didn't really see what the vehicle was, did we? It was just a tyre. Um, so we'll be interested to see what that goes next. If we get a bit of Danny the Planet or whatever. Danny the Planet? Danny the Planet. What's Danny the Planet? He becomes a planet. Okay. He becomes a planet of inclusiveness and happy lands. Wow. I'm going to have to read it at some point, obviously. Yeah, it's nuts. You've got to read it. <laughs> I don't know that I have a standout episode either, to be honest. Um, I thought Sex Patrol was hilarious. Yeah, not one to watch with uh, the in-laws. Mm, or anyone. Or anyone. Well, and a parental adult figure, really. Or on the train. Or on the train, no. Um, but other than that, I don't think... I, yeah, there isn't really a standout. I think it's been very solid all the way through. I think it's been very consistent. It's been consistently good. Well, in fact, Sex Patrol was Danny the Street. It oh, God, Danny's yeah, it was. Episode, they were yeah. the same episode, yeah. Mm. Um, okay. So, what would you score this one out of ten, then? Nine. What did you score season one? Oh, we did it episode by episode, I suppose. So, you would say nine, uh, 9.5 for season one, then, because you said you would score this at half point less. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Didn't realise you were keeping score. All right, just, just in case anybody rewinds and says, hang on a minute, Martin said at uh, roughly 42 minutes that he would score season one of Doom Patrol a half step higher than he would season two. I don't think people would do that. <laughs> I would also give this a 9 out of 10. Uh, I definitely think when you stack up the two series that we've just reviewed back-to-back, this definitely deserves a higher score. It's the better one of the two for me. Agreed, but I'm, like I said, heavily biased. 
So Doom Patrol uh, Seasons 1 and 2 are both available to stream now on DC Universe and HBO Max. Uh, season 2 is not yet available in the UK, but will be coming to Stars Play in the near future, where you can currently get Series 1, and that's available through Apple TV and Amazon as a streaming channel. That just leaves us to talk through our little discussion topic, which I did post on Twitter on the 15th of July, so it's been a little while. Uh, But at the time, I was thinking about the fact that we were going to be talking about the Lower Decks trailer, and I'd said to the lovely super friends at home, we want to hear from you on the debate which splits so much of Trek fandom, are you old Trek? So original series through to, let's say, Enterprise and those movies. New Trek, Discovery, Picard, the J.J. Abrams movies... Or are you all Trek? So coming to you first, Marton. All. All Trek for you. All Trek. Favourite Trek series? Voyager. Favourite Trek movie? Generations. Favourite captain? Captain? Mm. Oh, Janeway. <laughs> captain? Captain? Uh, next generation. Dry run? Uh, <laughs> no, I did not. I'm just spicing it up. Next generation, first contact, Captain Picard. I'm. I have a brand. So throwing it out to the listeners at home, first up we've got at last son Jim who said all Trek, old shows, new shows, old movies, new movies to a degree, and they said hashtag not my Khan in relation to the uh, character swap in um, the one that I always call Beyond, but it's actually called Into Darkness. I always get them so confused. I, I don't know why because they're very very different films. Yeah, they're all just blend into one for me. Next up, Claire Payne uh, at Gothamite Claire said, I consider myself a new Trek fan as I really enjoyed Picard and I prefer the films. Star Trek IV The Voyage Home is my favourite and I have thoroughly enjoyed the recent films with Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto and Simon Pegg, which I replied to with a gif of everybody remember where we parked from when they travel back to Earth. Jack and the Geekstalk said, I'm a fan of all Trek but Voyager was my entry into the franchise so that will always hold a special place. Now I always think of it as your entry point but you say no. Voyager. Hmm. No, um, probably original series was my entry point. Hmm. Next up, we've got Nose Chatting, who said all Trek original series, TNG timeline series, movies, Kelvin Universe, Discovery, and this new animated show looks great. Star Trek is a fun time with a deeper meaning and will live forever like Doctor Who, which I agree. I think it's unfair sometimes to stack Star Trek up against Star Wars because I think they're very different. Well, they're very different. Whereas I think Star Trek and Doctor Who have more in common just because of that reinvention. Although it, although Doctor Who is always just Doctor Who but with new cast, Star Trek is similar. You just get a new title that goes along with it. And a bigger budget. <laughs> At We Have a Hulk, Hello Nicola, said, All Trek, but TNG will always have a place in my heart. As said by others, it took a while to get into disco, but season two was fantastic with the addition of Pike and Spock. Definitely need to watch the films again. Do we have an update on number four? Of which there is plenty going around in the news right now about film number four. So watch this space. She also put a gif of Picard dancing saying, shake it so. For a minute I thought she was actually talking about disco music. Not disco music, no. I was like, oh, I love disco music. (laughs) How can you not get into it? Next, we've got Ben from XGeeks at XGeeks who said, I watched and enjoyed TNG as a kid and the follow-up movies in that series like First Contact. Voyager was also enjoyable. Some of the old movies are good. I tried but failed to enjoy Discovery. Overall, it's a decent franchise, so I think I'd say All Trek. I do, yeah, Discovery is an interesting one. I think I just go into these things looking for the best in everything so I tend to enjoy everything for what it is apart from Enterprise uh, so I do I enjoy Discovery but having just done a rewatch of it I do feel like there is a marked difference between season one and season two and I have enjoyed season two more it's been a long time that's coming up in a minute <laughs> from there to here the Emerald Archer said, i got to say, I'm a fan of all Trek. Picard was incredible, and the new movies are great visually, but how can you not love the old stuff too? I feel like I should sing that in the background while you're reading these out. <laughs> Next up, we've got Rob at That Robster. He said, TNG is always going to be my favourite for nostalgic reasons, but I still enjoy Discovery. If I'm pushed for an answer, I guess I would have to say old Trek. Yeah, at some point, are you going to ask me um, who sings that? Next up, we've got TV Pod Industries, who said, I'm a fan of all Star Trek. You need to listen to this bit. I've loved the concepts behind each of the shows from the original series through to Picard. The only thing that I couldn't get behind was that Enterprise theme. Then there's a little little gif of musical notes and it says, It's been a long time getting from dead here. My time is finally here, there. 
And at that point, I would just like to say that that's, uh, that, that's it for, uh, for the fan entries. Fan entries. Super friend entries. So thank you very much for everyone that got involved. Uh, I think it's fair to say we have a lovely group of listeners that enjoy and appreciate pretty much all Star Trek. I have to say I had a slight ulterior motive, which was I wondered if anybody would, pl- would reply and say, uh, Get rid of that bloody woke Trek. I hate that. Get rid of the women. But thankfully, we don't really have anybody like that that follows us, so it didn't happen. We don't have any geezers, apparently. No. What, darling? That's it for this episode. Coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, actually, to be fair, in two weeks' time, it will be DC fandom, and I will not be capable of uh, speech that weekend because I may have been awake for 24 hours. So give us a little bit more than two weeks, which is not abnormal during pandemic times, and we'll be back with a very unusual thing for us on this podcast, a DC special. <laughs> As we talk about everything that happened at DC Fandom. In the meantime, um, Stargirl will have come to an end as well, so we will also be able to do a full season talk through on DC's Stargirl, currently on HBO, not HBO Max, Neil, currently on DC Universe, so many streaming platforms, but coming to the CW as an exclusive for season two. That's a bit of a awkward full part there. I know. We'll we'll cover that in two weeks' time, won't Ooh. we? Ooh. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well. If you want to get in touch with us about absolutely anything at all, then get in touch on social media at Get Your Comic On on all platforms. Or you can find me regularly hanging around Twitter and Instagram at Neil Vag. You can find Martin as well, but he's talking about like medication and pain relief and things like that. So he sounds like some sort of drug dealer. You you discourage the followers because you think you talk about things things that people won't like to listen to. I don't discourage them. It's a sort of you know expectations need to be managed. Set the expectations. You don't talk about comic books. You talk about the NHS. I don't talk about the NHS. I just talk about the psychological impact of pain and other such fun topics. Yeah. Anyway, until Fandom, when we'll see you there, of course. Bye. Bye.